Hey, what's up? My name is Stephen, and I lead Avenue Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, along with my wife and an incredible team. We really have a desire to see people experience God's unconditional love, find their true identity in Christ, and live out their purpose. And we would love to connect with you. You can find us on all social media platforms simply by searching Our Avenue Church. You can also check us out online by going to OurAvenueChurch.com. We really pray that something in this message inspires and equips you to experience the way of life you were created to live in Christ. Enjoy. Happy Sunday, church. How are we? Come on, school's back in session. <laughs> wow, that took a left turn <laughs> real quick. I expected some cheers from the parents, but I guess you guys are getting used to having the kids at home, right? You're going to miss them, right? And you're all like shaking your head. Not really. Listen, hey, it's going to be an, it's been an incredible day at church already. We are so glad that you guys are here and honored that you would spend your Sunday morning with us. We know there's a lot going on. And so um, the things that we prioritize the most, we make happen. And the things that are important to us, we make happen regardless. And so thank you for making not just church the act of coming to a building and singing some songs, but being the church. Thanks for making that a priority. And, and it's, it's not for me. The blessings aren't for me or for Avenue Church, but they are for you. And I promise you, Scripture says that we should not neglect the coming together as the church. And so I pray that your Monday and your Tuesday is better because of your Sunday. Amen. Come on, it's going to be incredible. Open up your Bibles. We're going to look at James chapter 5 and um, start a new series last week. And so if you're a guest with us, you're jumping in on part two. You can go back and listen to uh, part one on our podcast. Just go to our website. Um, can we give all of our guests a hand? Come on. There are some incredible, incredible churches in this place, in this city, and we are just honored to be able to partner with them. And so if you're a guest with us, we really want to connect with you. There's two ways that, that you can do that. Um, I promise you, we won't stalk you, but if you could just text the word Avenue Connect to 97,000, you can fill out a digital connection card, or you can stop at the tent on the way out to fill out a hard copy connection card. And there's also a gift there on your way out that we would like to give you just to say thanks for spending your morning with us. It's an incredible coffee mug. Anybody coffee mug collectors? Come on. This one's big enough for a nice big cup of coffee, or you can eat cereal and soup in it. It's been verified, so it's multi-purpose. And so if you visited with us the last couple of weeks and maybe haven't gotten one of those, we still have one of those for you. So encouraged to have you with us. Um, we're in the second week of a series called I Pray. Um, we pray, you pray, let's pray. Something like that. All right, but we're talking about prayer because what I believe is that prayer is, is one of the most um, misunderstood and underutilized and overcomplicated discipline. Um, the two greatest disciplines as a follower of Jesus are reading God's word, the Bible, and spending time in prayer. And we watch people pray from a stage and a microphone, maybe on TV, and we think that um, people praying, that, that that's how it's supposed to be done. Um, and we think, I can't pray because I don't sound like that. I don't have the deep voice. I don't use the these and thous and how art thou and old English and, and, and sounding just right. Anybody been intimidated, right? Like, you don't want to be asked to pray in public. If I were to ask someone to raise their hand, 
to pray right now, everyone would put their hands under their seat. They would not go up, right? And so because we've made it complicated, and this all, like the only thing that prayer is, we said this last week, and you hear this a lot over the next couple of weeks, is prayer is simply a conversation with God. Just as you have a conversation with your spouse, your boyfriend, girlfriend, your kids, your best friend, your coworkers, it's a conversation. And it's two-way. It's not a one-way dialogue. And so you wouldn't talk to your friends in like really awkward terminology and these and thous. And so I don't expect you to think God expects you to talk to him that way. It's simply conversation. But also, it is the most important conversation you'll ever have throughout your day. It's the most important conversation that you'll ever have in your life is the conversation you have with your heavenly father. And we saw last week that when we have this conversation, it's not just about getting a wish list fulfilled, right? I know it's, it's kind of the new thing. Like, I wish I would have had this when we were getting married and, and having kids. Like, you don't have to go to a store now to do a bridal registry or a baby registry, right? You can just do a gift list on Amazon. Don't even have to leave your house. You don't even have to get out, like, get out of your pajamas. You can make a gift list on Amazon, a wish list. And so this isn't about bringing your wish list of things that you want God to do in your life. And we miscommunicate that, and, and we think that's all that it's for. But it's, it's a conversation that does three things, and it really has to take place in this order, guys. Like It has to cultivate intimacy with, with God. Because the only way to build a relationship, an intimate relationship, is in private and secret conversations with those that you care most about. And the greatest way to build intimacy in a relationship with God is through conversation that we call prayer. And the second thing that it does is it brings alignment to his will. W-I-L-L, not W-H-E-E-L, right? In the South, it's like wheel, everything's wheel, right? But it's about bringing alignment to God's will, which is his way of doing things, his plan for your life. And what we want to do is we want to bring God our way. And he's like, that's nice. <laughs> that's, that's, that's so cute. But let me show you my will. And we even see Jesus at the end of his life saying, God, if there's anything that you can do, Father, if you can take this, this cup of suffering away from me, let it pass, but if not, let your will be done. And he even says, let thy kingdom come, thy will come on earth as it is in heaven. And so it's not about getting God to do things our way, but it's about our hearts through cultivating intimacy, lining up with his will. And when we get those two things in order, then we can come to this last part, and that's seeing God's power demonstrated in our life. Because James says this. He says this in, in chapter 5, verse 16. And James is the brother of Jesus. And so he's probably seen his brother pray. He's probably heard his brother pray. He's witnessed the miracles. And James says this about prayer. He says, the earnest prayers of a righteous person have great power and produce wonderful results. The earnest prayers of a righteous person have great power and produce wonderful results. Then it goes on to, to talk about this prophet in the Old Testament. His name was Elijah, and he was human just like you and I. Go back and read the story of his life. It's incredible, and he wrestled with whether or not God trusts him, whether or not God believes in him. He wrestles with, with like wanting to take his life because of depression, just praying God to, to kill him because of depression. But at the same time, he's able to pray these miraculous prayers where 
people are brought back to life, where he stops the rain for three years and then causes it to rain again. He calls down fire from heaven, but still he wrestles with these insecurities. And I know that we all wrestle with these insecurities of whether or not God is for us, whether he hears us. And so I want us to get to an understanding over these next couple of weeks as we're talking about prayer and we're actually putting it into practice because it's one thing to talk about it, but we actually grow when we begin to put it into practice, right? There are a lot of people who think they know a lot of stuff, but they never actually walk out what they talk about. You guys know some of those? Don't elbow the person beside you, all right? You may have to go home with them, go to eat with them. But what we want to do over the next 21 days as we're talking about this, um, we're also going to be walking it out. And so today I want to talk about like God hearing our prayers. And so um, some of you may be thinking, well, Stephen, God hears your prayers because he's a, like, like you're a pastor. Um, but he doesn't hear my prayers. You're closer to God than I am, Stephen. So he definitely hears your prayers, but he doesn't hear my prayers. And there may have been some seasons and moments in life where we feel like God's not listening, right? That he's gone silent. There's no response, but that doesn't mean he's not listening. And let me tell you this, like the position that you have in church does not decide whether or not God hears your prayers. Whether you sit on the front row or you're sneaking in, sitting on the back row, I'm not going to make eye contact, but I see you, right? <laughs> Actually, my ushers are on the back row. They're holding this place down. But whether you've gone to church your whole life or this is your first Sunday, God still hears your prayers. Can we fix that? God still hears your prayers. It's not your position in the church, but it's the condition of your heart. And it's not how loud you pray, the words that you use. You can pray in a whisper, and God hears that because of the condition of your heart. I remember being a kid and going and staying with my great-grandmother. She passed away when she was 98. Just a stubborn lady. Lived by herself, still gardened up till she was like 93. When I was, when I was a kid, I would go stay with her. And she didn't have air conditioning. She had a window unit in like what was the living room. And so at night, we had to lift all the windows in the house. And she turned on the air and it came through. And you would hear all these strange. She lived in the middle of like the sticks, y'all, in the middle of nowhere. Her closest neighbor was like an hour, not an hour, <laughs> that's a mile away. <laughs> it felt like an hour as a kid. It's like, Granny, are we ever going to get there? You know, walking for an hour, but it was a mile away. Now my closest neighbor, like I can lay down between the houses and knock on his door, right? But I remember laying in her bed at night and, and before we would go to sleep, we would always pray this prayer. Lord, I lay me down to sleep, right? And, and thinking about it now is such a morbid prayer. <laughs> like, now I lay me down to sleep. How does it go? What's the next line? I pray that, see, you guys know, I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, like, good Lord, <laughs> Granny, what are you praying? <laughs> I was like six, and I didn't understand it, but when I got older, I was like, did she really think I was going to die before I woke up? Like, I pray the Lord my soul to take what it's... But, but after we would pray that, very simply, I would be laying in the bed next to her, and I would just hear her start mumbling and whispering. And I thought, Granny's lost it. <laughs> She's going crazy. But as I got older and I would sit with her, she was praying. And I know like God hears the prayers of a whisper just as much as he hears the prayer of a guy in a microphone. 
And so I want to help us understand. Last week, we talked about the purpose of prayer. I want to talk about this week, the promise of prayer. And that God hears our prayer and God answers our prayer, whether you realize it or not. Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14 is, is a pretty prominent scripture when it comes to prayer. And as Solomon has, has built this great temple to the Lord, he's built this palace and he's dedicating it. And, he, and he's asking God that any prayer that is heard, any sacrifice that is made in the temple would bring honor and glory and, and, and would be accepted by the Lord. And God responds in this way. He says, then if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven, forgive their sins and heal and restore their land. God's saying, look, any prayer that is made in this temple, I'm gonna hear it. I'm gonna turn my ear and I'm gonna hear it. And I will restore your land. I will answer your prayer. And so many times we can take that and think, well, does that saying like God only hears our prayer at church? But some of us, if I'm honest, we may not say that, but we act like it. And that sometimes we only find ourselves praying when we're at church. Can I just be real? Can I say that? That sometimes we go Monday through Saturday not even acknowledging God and we come and think, oh, I'm in church. I ought to pray. And Maybe it's a mindset that we think maybe God only hears us while we're in church, but fast forward to the New Testament, and we realize that the temple of the Holy Spirit and the temple of God is no longer a building. This is not a temple, in case you didn't notice. They have all kinds of events. Yesterday, they had a play. Um, there's been Sunday mornings where we come in, and they've had parties the night before, and it smells in here like vomit and alcohol. I've never been into a church building or a temple that smelled like vomit and alcohol, right? And, and downstairs, there's been times it smelled like um, onions and curry. And you guys may not smell that when you get here because we're brewing coffee and we're spraying Febreze and we're putting cups of coffee grounds all around so that it doesn't smell like there was a party the night before, but there's nothing. We just sang this song a minute ago. This is holy ground. There is nothing that makes this place holy except the presence of God. Any church that you go to, regardless of your denomination, regardless of your church history, there's nothing holy about that building in and of itself. But it's the presence of the God that is worshiped in that building that makes it holy. Come on. And so I don't want us to have the mindset that the only time God hears our prayers is when we're in church because you fast forward to the New Testament, the holy temple is not a building, but it's a body. And Paul says that you are the temple for the Holy Spirit. And so if we take the promises made in Chronicles and see the principle and the truth that we see in the New Testament, God hears our prayers wherever we are because we are a walking we're a mobile home, guys, right? We're a mobile home for the Holy Spirit. Wherever we walk, his spirit is with us. And wherever we pray, he hears our prayers. So whether that's in the car, driving to work, in the shower, getting ready, in the bed as you're going to sleep, waking up, one of my favorite places to pray is mowing the yard because I hear nothing but the lawnmower. There's no distractions, and it's just me and God. When I was working at FedEx, it was the best prayer time I ever had because it was just me and about 3,000 boxes. 
And I had like six hours to load a truck by myself, and I'm just praying as I'm stacking boxes. You can pray wherever you are, and God hears our prayer. Psalms 116, verses 1 through 2. I love this scripture. It says, I love the Lord because he hears my voice and my prayers for mercy. Because he bends down to listen, I will pray as long as I have breath. And, and the imagery in that is an image of intimacy that we talked about last week. And, and I think about, you know, with my girls, when they come to me and they're asking for something. And Amelia, she's the, my youngest one. And she's soft-spoken and she's, she's further, like, down. She's seven. And my 15-year-old is, like, right here, <laughs> right? She's, but when my children are small and they're asking and they're talking to me, guess what I do when I can't hear them? I lean down. And that is a perfect picture of what our Heavenly Father does, guys, when we pray and speak to him. His ears are attentive because we are the temple of the Holy Spirit, and he bends down to listen. And David goes on to say, he says, I will pray as long as I have breath. And I love that image of intimacy that the Father has for us, that desire to hear our prayers. Even when we don't know what to pray and, and, and we can't communicate the words and it doesn't make sense. Like, have you guys ever prayed and like after five minutes you've said all that you know to say and you just start rambling? He's like, I understand. Just keep going. Keep going. I understand. I, I see your heart. I know. Because he's bending down to listen. Jesus even says this in John chapter 11. He says, Father, just as he's about to call his friend Lazarus out of the tomb, he says, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me. Listen, guys, God always hears us. God always hears us. I want you to believe that. He hears us. I don't want you just to know it, but I want you to believe it. And can I get you to take one step further? I want you to live it. Because you will hear me say this a lot. You can know something and not believe it. But you can believe something and not act on it. Like, I believe flossing is good for you. Most of us believe flossing is good for us. But do we always act on it? No, because there's so much trouble and that string is just so, like, tiny. <laughs> right? But how many of us know? How many of us know, like, God listens to our prayers. But so many times we probably fail to pray because we don't think he's listening. Or we think our need is too small and he wouldn't understand. But God's listening. Not only does he listen, guys, but, but he promises that God answers our prayers. And when he answers our prayers, it's really like one of three choices. It's yes, no, and not right now. Yes, no, and not right now. But you know the only time we think God answers is when it's what? Yes. No and not right now are just as valid of an answer as yes. The only answer he doesn't give is I don't know. Or I'm not sure. For those of us with kids, when our kids come to us and they're wanting something, they're wanting to do something, and we just want to be lazy, <laughs> right? We say, I don't know, maybe not right now, or in a minute. But when God answers, it's always a certain answer. It's yes, no, or not right now. And when he's answering in no and not right now, we really consider that an unanswered prayer, do we not? Because we don't like the answer. We don't like the answer when we get it, but he's always answering. 
Matthew 7, 9 through 11 says this. It says that if your children ask for you a lot for a loaf of bread, if your children ask for you for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone? No. If they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? No. If being sinful, you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give good gifts? Underline that in your Bible. Give what kind of gifts? Good gifts to those who ask him. Did you know that no and not right now are good gifts? We think yes is the only good gift. But when he answers yes, when the answer is yes, we love it, it makes sense, we see it, we pray for it, we celebrate it, we tell people about it, right? We tweet about it, we Instagram, we Facebook, we let everybody know when it's yes. When it's no and not right now, we're silent. And we're not talking about it. But the no and the not right now are just as important at times as the yes. And how do we get to our yes? John, in 1 John, he wrote the book of John, then 1, 2, and 3 John. And in 1 John, he gives us the advice on how to get a yes. It says, and we are confident that when he hears us, that God hears us, we are confident that he hears us when? When we ask for anything that does what? That does what? Pleases him. When we ask for anything that pleases him, pleases God. And since we know that he hears us when we make our request, we also know that he will give us what we ask for. So if you want a yes, guess what you have to do? You have to ask for things that please God. But we want to ask for things that please us. We want to ask for things that benefit us. We want to ask things for things that make our life easier, our life better. But that's not the ingredients for an answered prayer in a yes. The ingredients is to begin to ask for things that please God. Well, how do we know what please God? Let's go back to last week's message. Let's cultivate intimacy with the Father's heart. Let's bring alignment to the Father's will, and then we will see demonstration of God's power in our life with that yes of what we've been praying for. But we also have to understand that that yes may look different than what we thought it would look like. And we, for those of you that are planners and list makers and outcome drawer uppers, right? You, you, you draw up a plan and what the outcome is gonna look like and you bring it before God. You're like, I know this is what's supposed to happen in my life. He's like, yeah, that looks good. You're close. I'm gonna give you a yes, but it's gonna look different than what you thought. Anybody ever experienced that? You know, when God finally gave us the yes to move to Murfreesboro to plant Avenue Church after talking and thinking and praying about it for nine years, the yes looked totally different than what I thought it was going to look like. Thank you, 2020, right? And so we have to understand that the yes will sometimes look different. But what do we do? What do we do when God says no or not right now? And I think on the screen it's going to have N-R-N, not right now, because I didn't have enough room and I wanted it all on one line. What do we do? Like, how do we understand when God says no or not right now. Why does he do that? And I, and, and I really think it's, it's three things when, when I think about God working in my life and see it in scripture. And, and I think about how we respond when God says no. How have you guys responded like when God says no? Do you respond like a toddler? 
Do you respond like an upset middle schooler or high schooler? Like I remember once in sixth grade, like it was one of the worst, baddest behavior like days of my life. Um, it was back in the day. Anybody remember New Kids on the Block in KOTB? Come on. Like, like some are like, who? Go Google them. Incredible music, okay? Spotify, get you a whole playlist. But I remember being in sixth grade, in sixth grade, and a girl in my class, Mindy, she had tickets to go see New Kids on the Block in Memphis, and we were living in Adamsville at the time. And she had invited me to go because she was kind of my girlfriend in sixth grade. Um, even though my daughters can't have boyfriends until they're like out of college, I had a girlfriend in sixth grade. So she invited a bunch of us to go see New Kids on the Block. And so I, I went home and I asked my mom and dad if I could go see New Kids on the Block. And guess what their answer was? No. You're too young to go to a concert. But Mindy's going and all of her other friends are going, why can't I go? We don't think that it's best for you to go. And so this is what I did. Like, no lie. I looked at my mom and I said, you just lost a son. <laughs> like, like, no lie. No lie. With all seriousness, it was probably more like, you just lost a son, right? Because I was in sixth grade and it's kind of voice cracking. And so I went downstairs. I went downstairs and, and I told her, I said, I'm leaving. And so I go downstairs and I take my G.I. Joe sleeping bag and I pack a whole bunch of clothes and it wasn't like camo. It wasn't cool camo. It actually like had the cartoon of like snake eyes or something on it for those of you who know G.I. Joe. And so I'm packing all my clothes in my sleeping bag and then I get my Emerson boombox. Come on, somebody. I get my Emerson boombox and my new kids on the block cassette. I put it in. I leave the house. And I walked to my grandmother's house, dragging my sleeping bag and blasting hanging tough. And like, like picture me in sixth grade walking half a mile to my granny's house, my grandmother's house, playing hanging tough because my parents said no. And I look at her and I was like, you just lost a son. And so like, I wasn't, I wasn't going back home. I was going to spend the rest of my life in my grandmother's because my parents didn't understand that I wanted to go to New Kids on the Block. It was the best thing in my world in that moment. I stayed at my grandmother's for like two days, and she went to bed at like five o'clock. <laughs> and so finally, I'm like, Mom, I'm so sorry. Could you please come get me? She's like, you walk there, you can walk back. And so I walked back to my house, just totally defeated, didn't work. But here's what my parents were trying to do. Honestly, like now as a dad, I had no business going to a concert in sixth grade without my mom and dad. And so what they were trying to do is they were trying to protect me. And sometimes when God says no in our life, it's for protection. Because we're, like, we're not at a place to be able to handle what we're asking for. We're not ready to handle, like Craig Rochelle, a pastor in Oklahoma, made the statement on Instagram last week, just, just because you care about it, and you're passionate about it, doesn't mean you have the capacity for it. And sometimes we ask God for things that we don't have the capacity for in that moment. And so it's a no or it's a not right now. And so if it's not for protection, the other thing that I think it's for at times is it's, it's for correction. Is that there is this, this spiritual principle in place. And we'll talk about these spiritual principles in October behind the scenes called sowing and reaping, that there are, there are decisions that we've made and there's things that we've allowed into our life and there, there are things that we ask for from God. And because of co 
consequences from decisions that we've made, we can't steward that well. And so it's a no, you know? It's almost not really, but sort of like we're, we're grounded from that because we have some things that we have to learn that God has to teach us. And we don't like the correcting part of it. We want God to bless us. We want God to protect us and walk with us. But scripture in Hebrews plainly says that if there's no correction, then we're not really his sons. Think about that, guys. Like, like we're not truly his children because he blesses us. We're truly his children at times because he corrects us. And so we don't like that. And sometimes the no and the not right now is for correction. He wants to change some direction and some things in our life. And the last thing that I think that the no's and the not right now's are for, I'm a preacher, so everything rhymes, it helps me remember, is for reflection. For protection, correction, and reflection. And, and what I mean by that is he's trying to bring us to a place for you and I to understand who he is and who we are. He's trying to bring us to a place to maybe even where we're, we're trying not to, to do everything ourselves, but to rely on him more. So maybe it's no and not right now, so we keep coming back to him so that we recognize that he is our source, that, that, that not just a stream, not just one, but the only place where our provision, our peace, our strength comes from that is lasting. Sure, you can get joy, you can get strength, you can get confidence, you can get peace from other things temporarily, but the eternal lasting comes from him. And we prayed for, for you guys this morning and our team that in, in, in John, Jesus says that I pray that my joy will be full in you so that your joy will overflow. And so we prayed specifically for you guys this morning that, that you would not find your joy in your job, in your spouse, in your boyfriend or girlfriend, in your finances. We prayed specifically for you that you would find your joy in him and him alone so that that joy would be full. And then your joy would overflow. Because we have to come back and change our perspective and do a little reflection on, on where our priorities are and what we think about and knowing that he is our ultimate source. And, and even Paul kind of has this conversation with, 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 with him. And in, in 2 Corinthians, I think it is, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, he talks about this messenger from Satan that is sent to taunt him. And, and he calls it a thorn in his side. And we don't know, some people think maybe it was like a speech impediment, maybe it was a physical ailment, maybe it was some hidden sin that he had that he just could not break free from. But he says that I went to the Lord three times. I, I brought it to him three times. God, can you take care of this? And three times, God said no. He said no, and he said, my grace is sufficient. My grace is all that you need. Because in your weakness, my strength is made perfect in you. And so sometimes we're asking God to take away something in our life, but that if that thing was removed, we would drift away from him because we recognize that, that thing, whatever it is, and 
just by human nature, how we respond and how we interact with God, when everything's fine, we're more distant, right? You look at the times in your life when, when, when you're coming to God the most, it's when you have the most need for him in your life. And so maybe that, that no and not right now is to bring you to a place of reflection so that he can say to you, my grace is all that you need. My power is made perfect in you. And guys, I know there are many of us in here who have prayed for major things. Many of us in here, we've, we, we, we prayed for healing of family members. We've prayed for provision for God to show up in ways. And he's not showed up in the way that we thought. And it seemed like a no. I can't tell you how many church members that I prayed for and friends that I prayed for that for, for God to heal them. And you think, you're a pastor. God hears your prayers. I believe he hears my prayers and I believe he answers my prayers. But just in all transparency in this moment, like I prayed for both my father and my father-in-law to be healed. And his life, we're still taken from this earth. But I have to understand and reflect and know that even it was a no down here, it's a yes up there. Because to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And Paul says, to live is Christ, but to die is gain. And if we really believe that those of us who are walking with Christ, and we take our last breath here and our first breath in eternity, that's where we're all wanting to get to. And so selfishly, we want that yes to be them staying here. But eternally and spiritually and in the goodness of all that God is, that yes is an eternity with him. And I don't know your story. I don't know your perspective. I'm just telling you what God has shown me in this season when things haven't been a yes like what I thought it would be. That what seems like a no to our answered prayers is actually a yes to his greater plan. And we want to think that, that his no's to our prayers are a complete and total no. But every no to our prayers is a yes to his plan. And I want you to get that. I want you to know God, God, God hears every whisper. God hears every shout. God hears every, every crying prayer. And he answers it in that moment. But it may not arrive right then because it's not right now, or it may be a no, but every no to your prayers is a yes to his plan in your life. Do you believe that? Like, like I want you to believe that and understand, and we talked about, for three weeks, we talked about how God is for us, and even in his no's, guys, God is for us, because God is, is, is way more concerned about our character than he is our comfort but we are so caught up in wanting everything to go as we have planned so that everything looks a certain way and feels a certain way. But God says, I want your heart more than anything else. 
And, and, and I want to talk to some of you in here that maybe God has said no. And maybe he said not right now. And as a result of that, you've been an immature sixth grader in your heart. And you've packed your clothes and you've grabbed your boom box. And you've left the house. And maybe you've told God, I don't need you. If you're not going to show up in the way that I'm asking you to and expecting you to, then I don't need you. I'm out. Because I feel like you don't love me. Because that's how we feel sometimes. We feel like the no and the not right now is because God doesn't love us. And I want to tell those of you in here that, that, that maybe that's your heart. And maybe your heart has grown callous and there's some walls up because of the no's and the not right now's. And the yeses that didn't turn out and you feel like God's silent and he's not listening and so you think that he just doesn't love you and I read this and when I was studying and it's so true. There is no deficiency in love when the answer is no. There is no deficiency in God's love for you when the answer is no. Paul says it. He says, when we go through calamity and sickness and disease and trials and tribulations, when we go through all these things, does it mean that God doesn't love us? Some of you guys maybe have experienced it, but he says, absolutely not. In spite of all of these things, his love is overwhelming for us. And I want you guys to get this. Jonathan could come to the keys. I want us just to stay here in this holy moment because I feel like God is speaking to some of you and I just, I feel it that some of you, you've, you've walked away from God. You're at church, but in your heart, you may have walked away because he didn't answer in the way that you thought, in the way that you wanted. But I want you to hear, hear my voice, hear the Holy Spirit, hear God's word saying to you today that Every no is a yes to his plan. There is no deficiency in love when he says no to you. And his no to our prayers is always yes to his plan. And the greatest plan that he has for your life is not what you're gonna accomplish as a business person, as a husband, as a wife, as a parent, even though all those things are great endeavors and we should strive to pursue those things so that God is known on this earth and so that his kingdom can be expanded. But the first place he wants to expand his kingdom and for him to be known is in your heart and is in your life. So I want you to close your eyes and I want you to bow your head and, and I wanna pray for a couple of things just as I feel the Holy Spirit leading this morning. First and foremost, I wanna pray for those of you who have walked out of relationship with God or maybe you're here today and you've never entered into a relationship with God because you don't think he responds in the way that you think he should. But he's responding in a way that he knows is best. And so for some of you in here, you've, you've walked away from God or maybe you've never even came into relationship. And I believe that today the Holy Spirit is drawing you into relationship with him or back into relationship with him. And I want you to do me a favor. I want you to do this. It's just simply in a moment, I'm gonna ask you if, if, if that's you 
and the Holy Spirit is, is peeling some layers away at your heart, I'm gonna ask you in this moment right now just to simply lift your hand and say, that's me. That's me. That I've walked out or I've stayed away. Awesome. You can put your hands down. Now I want to talk to those of us that maybe we've been bitter at God. We've been angry at God. We've been silent. We've rolled our eyes. We've crossed our arms because God has said no and not right now. And you've not pursued the things of God as you should. You've been bitter and untrusting of God is the word. And if that's you, I wanna pray for you that God would soften your heart and begin to open your eyes and reveal his plan in your life. And if that's you, I wanna ask you just to lift your hand very I'm not going to promise to know everything. I don't have all the answers, but I know who does, and I'm going to do my best week in and week out to present those to you. But the greatest thing that I want you to know is that God loves you unconditionally. That is the foundation cornerstone of anything that you could know. And, and if he loves you unconditionally, I promise you he's listening when you pray and he's answering. And for those of you who raised your hand and need to commit your life to Christ in this moment and, and in a moment we're gonna pray and it's not gonna be my prayers that save you, but it's yours. I say this every week and right where you're seated, where you lifted your hands in this moment is a holy moment. This is holy ground, not because this is a church, but because I believe God's presence is here. And as we're praying and you're praying, simply what you're gonna say is, God, I'm sorry for what I've done. I'm asking you to forgive me. I'm asking you to forgive me. I thank you for the sacrifice that was made. I'm accepting that. I want you to lead me, God. I want you to direct me and I wanna do my best to follow you. And so whatever that looks like for you, that's not all the conversation, but it's the start. And then I'm gonna pray for the rest of us that, that we would not stop praying because we think God's not answering, but that we would pray through and know that the answer is there. Let's pray together. Father, we come to you this morning. God, I thank you so much. God, for the presence of your spirit and the power in your word today, God, I thank you for those that lifted their hands and acknowledging that they need a relationship with you and knowing that they need to reflect on their life and come back to the source and come into relationship or maybe back into relationship. That whatever wall or whatever barrier has been placed has been put up to keep them from you in this moment, God, every sin, every insecurity, every ounce of shame in this moment, God, is being wiped away. Your word says that all those who are in new creation, that all the old is gone and all things are made new in this moment. God, we surrender the past to you, we surrender the present to you, and we surrender our future to you. God, for us as a church, as we're going through these 21 days and seeking your face for our community, for our family, and for your kingdom, God, I pray that, that we would just create in us a desire 
to pray, to be in conversation with you, create in us a desire to cultivate that intimacy, to bring alignment with what you have planned for our life. God, help us to trust you, to do what you say that you're going to do, that what seems like a no and a not right now is actually a yes to a much greater plan. And so, Father, I thank you for what you've done in this house on this day. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. Come on, let's give God a hand clap for that time. 